The title of this conference is The Hidden and Ordinary Life. It was given by Mrs. Lourdes Pinto at the Love Crucified Retreat on April of 2012. This is the fourth talk. We've entered the peer side of our beloved. The second part I wanted to focus on yesterday, we focused on suffering with him. Today I would like to focus on the hidden life, the hidden and ordinary life. In order to appreciate fully what our Lord teaches us about the hidden and ordinary life, we need to come through the help of the Holy Spirit to really enter the interior crucifixion of our Lord. That is why for our family of love crucified, the words of our Lord to Conchita in her diary that I keep through the years telling all of you, on page 123 of the diary of Conchita, our Lord's interior crucifixion, those words must, in each one of us, become branded in our hearts. This is at the core, at the heart of being a hidden martyr of love. There are two teachings that are crucial for the formation of our hidden martyrdom. Our Lord's interior crucifixion, and the second is our Blessed Mother, her suffering of solitude. In the diary, there's a whole chapter on our Blessed Mother. Those two areas specifically have to become part of who we are. So I tell you to continue to read them over and over again. So I will also read them to you today. Our Lord tells Conchita, through the external cross which all can see, I was a victim acceptable to the Father by shedding my blood. But it was above all through the interior cross that redemption was accomplished. Just that one sentence, my brothers and sisters. But look at what our Lord says to Conchita. But it was above all through his interior cross. Now, do you understand how important this is for the fulfillment of the third secret of Fatima? Because I read that to you yesterday. And in the third secret of Fatima, the blood that's being collected from the arms that says it's the union of blood of the martyrs and Jesus that's going to bring the reign of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and with her the new Pentecost. Now look at what our Lord reveals to Conchita and other saints. Above all, it's his hidden martyrdom. The blood of the martyrs united to the blood of Jesus is all of us. We do not have to be comrade martyrs to become the, that, that blood. In fact, our Lord reveals something extraordinary to Conchita. I'm going to continue to read. This is now from page 123. I wish that above all there be honored the interior sufferings of my heart, sufferings undergone from my incarnation 
to the cross and which are mystically prolonged in my Eucharist. These sufferings are still unsuspected by the world. Nonetheless, I declare to you that from the first moment of my incarnation, the cross already planted in my heart overburdened me and the thorns penetrated it. The blow struck by the lance might have been some solace causing to gush from my side a volcano of love and of suffering, but I did not consent to that until after my death. I only receive ingratitude. That is why my heart overflowing with tenderness will ever feel the thorns of the cross. In heaven as God, I cannot suffer. To find the cross which above did not exist, I descended into this world and became man. As God-man, I could suffer infinitely to pay the price of the salvation of so many souls. During my life, I never desired anything except the cross and ever the cross, wanting to show the world that which is the soul, wealth, and happiness on earth, the currency which will buy an eternal happiness. Allow those words to become part of our life. Our soul happiness on earth is the cross. I only remained on the cross of Calvary for three hours, but on the interior cross of my heart, my whole life. The monasteries, oasis, will venerate both of them, but especially my interior cross, which symbolizes these pains and these inner sufferings, so incomprehensible, which constantly oppress my soul. These sufferings remain hidden during my life. I smiled. I labored. Only my mother was aware of this martyrdom, which crushed my loving heart. My external passion lasted but a few hours. It was like a gentle dew, a comfort for the other passion. Terribly cruel, which tortured ceaselessly my soul. Have you pondered this? Can you look at our Lord here? Look at him. And think about what he's telling Conchita. That his interior crucifixion was worse than this. You see, by the time our Lord gets to Calvary, his heart is shredded. His heart is pierced through. We would not come to know his interior crucifixion, the martyrdom of his heart, if he didn't reveal it exteriorly through his passion. This is our means of entering his heart. But do we realize when our Lord tells us and we desire to enter his heart, 
I think for many years for me, in my devotion to the Sacred Heart, it was kind of like this beautiful heart, romantic, you know? And not until I really got, through the grace of God, through the power and love of the Holy Spirit, that I began to enter the realities of what our Lord is teaching through Conchita. That my brothers and sisters, to enter, when we say we want to enter into the heart of Jesus, of what, kind, what, what we're entering, to enter into the heart of Jesus is to enter a deeper crucifixion which is greater than this. Do you understand why to go through the cross we have to go through a process? Because none of us can just go enter into the heart. We can't, we, we're not prepared. Our hearts are not prepared. To enter into the furnace of the heart of Jesus takes a preparation that Our Lady and the Holy Spirit want to give us. That is why each step of the path that's been given to us is so crucial. Today I'd like to focus on the hidden life, the ordinary. In 2011, recently, our Lord brought me back. I was on retreat with Jacqueline here in Conyers. And our Lord brought me back to the ordinary life. He said, It is perseverance in living the ordinary of your state in life, in love for me, that you are perfected in many virtues. You see, part of the preparation of our heart is the perfection in virtue. But look at what our Lord is saying. The greatest means to be perfected in virtue is your ordinary life and my ordinary life. Isn't that true? What greater place is there to grow in patience than in our homes, than in the workplace with difficult boss, you know? That is our training ground to be perfected in virtues, which is to be perfected in love. The ordinary duties of motherhood have been greatly attacked by Satan because they are so pleasing to the Father. And when lived in my crucified love, as Mary did, possessed the power of God to aid in the sanctification and salvation of souls. Do you realize that while Our Lady was living her ordinary, hidden life with our Lord, she was the only one that knew of his hidden life and his hidden suffering. She did the cleaning, the washing, the cooking, everything united to the hidden sufferings of her son. And in that way, Mary was already redeeming with Jesus us. This is why your formation began in the most ordinary of your state in life as a mother. Our Lord at that moment brought my whole formation, which I have to share with you. Our Lord brought me into the formation through the writings of Conchita of my most ordinary for years. Forming me personally as a mother of the cross, I thought it was an individual thing. It wasn't until years that he began then to reveal to me to begin to share this with other women. 
and he formed me. You know how I told you yesterday? Everything our Lord does, he is the perfect teacher. We are truly like children. Just like I showed you in Montessori, we, we teach our children from the concrete to the abstract. Do you realize that our Lord does the same thing with us? Because we are not capable of entering the maturity of the higher spiritual realities if we don't go through the concrete first. We're the same way. He is the perfect Father. And Our Lady is the perfect Mother. So how did Our Lord begin to form me? In the most ordinary. So many times the most ordinary, that what we see as tedious, is the most precious to the Lord. And he began to reveal things to me that began to transform me and my life and understanding as a wife and mother. And that's why I've shared many times when I've spoken about he began to show me the power in a kiss. I had never thought of that. He began to show me the power in the touch. In that I'll never forget, like I said many times, that when he showed me when I made chocolate milk. And I, and I can't tell you, I, I'm bringing it up, and he brings it up to me. Why? Because in my weakness, in my misery, I constantly forget. And I am the first one that I can get so caught up with the mission and with this that, you know, my kids got to school and I forgot to bless them. Or I can be so concerned with the retreat that I'm not in the moment of tucking my children in. Or I'm not in the moment of serving them. I wouldn't say making dinner. Because <laughs> my husband makes dinner. <laughs> but the other things I do. So, one, and I'll, and I'll mention it again because our Lord brought it to my heart when he was teaching me this. Because at that moment, our Lord taught me the most precious thing to me was when he taught me about the chocolate milk. It just... My whole thinking of my life as a wife and mother at that moment brought me into reality, you know, is that he asked me one day in the Blessed Sacrament, what do you think was the most important and the most pleasing thing you did the day before for God? And I had met, at that time, I, I was the head of a homeschooling group. I had met with a mother for like two hours. And I, of course, in my way of thinking in the flesh and in the world, I was thinking, surely two hours, you know, that was important. And our Lord brings back to me the last thing I did before I went to sleep that night. I made my children chocolate milk. But it was a special grace the way I made chocolate milk that night. I had all their little cups lined up on the counter, and all of a sudden, the Spirit allowed me to see each cup as the heart of my children. One was Alex, one was Max. And as I stirred the chocolate milk, I was praying from the depth of my heart for each one of my children. Now, they didn't know that. And of course, I went to sleep, and to me, 
I completely forgot. It was just an inspiration of the Spirit. And then our Lord brings me back to that. And he said to me, the most pleasing thing I did that entire day to God was the making of that chocolate milk. Because I prayed from the depths of my heart. And that was such an act of love, the way I made that milk for my children. I can't tell you what that one lesson from the Lord did to me. And I continue to forget. And just like Our Lady in Mejagoria continues to say the same thing over and over, our Lord keeps telling us the same thing in Our Lady over and over. And it didn't dawn on me till Father and I were working on the manual. My Father says to me, but you know, this has already been said. <laughs> Doesn't it get tiring to me the same thing over and over? And it just stopped me. And I've been thinking about that. And he's thinking, it's true. Our Lord has been saying the same thing. But because, you know why? Because we're fully not getting it yet. So he's repeating it. Do you know, any mother and father in this group knows the same thing. As parents. Don't we say the same thing over and over? We repeat it. And sometimes we're thinking, don't they get it already? Repeat it so they get it, so they learn it. Well, guess what? You know, our Lord is telling us, Father Jordi, that we fully haven't learned it. We fully haven't gotten it. And it is so important that he needs to continue to tell us. So if you find the same thing in the manual over and over, you know what? It's a reason. Okay? Yes? Go ahead. Continue. I'll say it again. Okay. Okay. Then our Lord said... It is here, living the details of the most ordinary, that you began to grow in greater love. That's true. Living the details of the ordinary became your prayer of blessing and honor to your God. Think about that one sentence. Living the details of the ordinary became your prayer and blessing and honor to your God. That is the greatest blessing and honor to God. Living the details of our ordinary. It is in this most ordinary and hidden life that a soul encounters the face of God. I disguise myself in what the world sees as tedious. That is why all the mothers of the cross have begun to encounter me in the laundry, cleaning, cooking, Nursing, where is Jimena? Jimena's not here. Yeah, that is why to me, when Jimena shared with the family of love crucified, one time what she was learning blew me away. It was so beautiful. When Jimena shared with us, that she has a child that is that is, is a fussy eater. Many of us have children that are fussy eaters, and when they're little, you know what that is. 
and he couldn't get him to eat. And all of a sudden, Jimena was feeling that frustration. And all of a sudden, the spirit, as she's learning all of this, gives her a moment of immense grace. And she begins to see her sons not wanting to eat, to represent all the people who are not wanting to partake of the Eucharist. And who, okay, when she shared that with the family of the crucified, I was in awe. Look at what our Lord said. I begin to reveal myself in my heart to you in the most tedious, that you see as tedious, like trying to get food into a child that doesn't want to eat. At that moment, the Holy Spirit reveals to Jimena a profound truth, a profound union of his own suffering of his heart. And at that moment, in that trial, in that suffering with her son, she is able to enter a profound union of our Lord's suffering and suffer that with Jesus for all those in the church that don't love the Eucharist, that don't desire to receive our Lord in the Eucharist. That came to, to her while she was feeding her child. You see, this is the formation of mothers and missionaries of the cross. The tasks of ordinary motherhood are precious to the Father because they are the heartbeat of the domestic church. Now you know why Satan has done so much to attack motherhood. Through the restoration of motherhood, I will strengthen the domestic church, aid in the healing of fatherhood, and bring restoration to my universal church. Isn't God using motherhood, spiritual motherhood in union with the spiritual mother, Our Lady, to restore the church, to restore his priesthood? Our Lord said in 2010 to us, This spirituality of suffering out of love for me is not understood even within my church. Yet here lies the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. More grace is obtained for the world through the hidden life of suffering in love than the public life. Live the hidden life to perfection in me and in the heart of my mother. In this family, if we do not come to understand the hidden and ordinary life, and if we don't strive to help each other live to greater perfection, the most ordinary and hidden lives. Everything is, you know, waste. I mean, nothing else. We're going nowhere. Honestly and truly. I'm going to show you where our Lord's been leading us from the concrete to the abstract in a few minutes. It is more important, I wrote here a while back to you, it is not so much what we do as far as prayer cynicals, presentations, or apostolates, but how well we become mothers and missionaries of the cross that will bear the greatest fruit for our beloved Mother Church. 
I have to use George Scala as an example here. I was thinking of him the other day. I remember George when you first were coming into Love Crucified. A true heart of a man. And he comes to me and he tells me, Lourdes, you know, he's excited. He's like, he's ready and he wants to get to work. Like he wants a job. You know? Like, what am I going to do? And I'm looking at him and I said, George, you know, don't worry about doing anything. You know, just focus on becoming a missionary of the cross. And I was talking to him again yesterday, and it's true. Our Lord knocks St. Paul off the horse, but he doesn't put this man straight to work. Like Father Ron was reminding me the other day, St. Paul goes, what, seven years? How many years did you? Fourteen. Fourteen? Fourteen years of formation and preparation so he can go and be the powerhouse filled with the Holy Spirit that he still is for the church. The men have that desire to want to, I'm ready. But you know, I already say, no, no, you're not ready. <laughs> you know, honestly, truly, be still. <laughs> and know that I am God. <laughs> he has to. That's why I tell you, the most important thing we can do is truly become. Focus on what our Lord. Live. Help each other live. It is in receiving this formation and living this formation in the hidden and ordinary that then God will let us go out in whatever way he wants, if he wants. It doesn't matter, you see? Because our greatest work, you see, my greatest work is not getting up here and speaking to all of you. Because it's like our Lord makes it very clear. You know, you can receive the gift of prophecy. You can receive the gift of this. You can receive the gift of being able to teach you. It's a gift of the Spirit. But if there is no love, and if I go home, and I'm not living this ordinary hidden life, which I struggle with, I have to tell you, every day I struggle with living this. Every single day. I fall short, so short every day. It's like a gong. How does our Lord say it? Like a noisy gong. And that is the truth for all of us. We are going to truly be the light of Jesus Christ we are going to be the witnesses when we truly become more and more one with him. It's just going to radiate from us. I kept looking yesterday at Mary Ann. I don't want to embarrass you. She received her cross, and I'm looking at her face. We're doing spiritual accompaniment. I'm seeing she was full of light. And I'm looking at her going, wow. She was radiating, you know? And I looked at Hortensia's smile. There is something when you make the fiat that you receive this cross. There is a light. Grace was reminding me of it this morning as we were speaking. You know, it radiates. God is going to radiate like he already is from all of you. And people are going to notice. Listen to the words. This is all in your manual. Karen, oh no, I'm sorry, it's not. It's coming. Okay. Carrying our cross by Blessed Angela of Foligno. Listen to what she writes. It's a little long, but it's so beautiful. Extreme suffering accompanied the soul of Christ, for his holy soul, united with his body to his divinity, was filled with highest wisdom. He became all in an instant 
both a pilgrim on life's way and one who comprehended what that way entailed. Already in the womb of his mother, his holy soul began to feel the most extreme suffering as perfect reparation to God, and this not for his own faults, but for the faults of humanity in the womb. Interior. For Christ saw, felt, knew, and understood together and separately all the torments, and each one in detail, which he would have to endure soul and body with deep felt pain. The holy soul of Christ knew beforehand each of the knife-like tongues, that is, each of the sharp words which would cut him up in the future. How many times have our words cut our Lord? Christ knew when, when, how, by whom, and where he would be attacked. He knew and he saw how he, as man, was to be betrayed, sold, arrested, abandoned, renounced, bound, derided, beaten, whipped, judged, condemned as a thief, led to a cross, stripped, crucified, put to death, blasphemed, pierced by a lance which opened a wound in his holy side. He also knew beforehand all the hammer blows and all the nail wounds. His holy soul knew it, knew in and itself, and had before itself all the sufferings, the groans, the wailing, and the pain-filled lamentations of his mother. It is thus the whole life of Christ was accompanied by continual sufferings. How will the unhappy soul, which only wishes to receive consolations in this world, go to him, who is the way of suffering? You see, we don't want to go on the path of suffering. We want to go on the path of consolation. And that is the way of the cross, he's constantly telling us. In truth, the soul perfectly enamored of Christ, its beloved, would not wish to have any other better state in his world than the one he had. This one sentence defines fully a victim soul. That one sentence. What is a victim soul? A victim soul is a soul that has come to know her beloved, his beloved, and wishes nothing else but what his desire of his heart is. So ultimately, what a victim soul is, is a person that passionately loves Jesus Christ. It's that simple. I believe that even Mary, watching her beloved son lamenting and dying on the cross, did not ask of him then to experience sweetness, but rather suffering. It is in a soul the sign of a very weak love to want from Christ the beloved anything in this world but suffering. That is why our Lord tells us, to grow in love, to be perfected in love, is to grow in suffering with. We cannot grow in love if we don't suffer with. They go hand in hand. The world wants to grow in love without suffering. 
And what happens is they don't know love and they don't love love. And that is why our Lord is not loved. Our Lord tells us constantly, bring me victim souls. He is only consoled by victim souls. Why? Because that is love. That is the love of God. And because that is love, he continues to tell me, bring us victim souls, because they are the army of our Blessed Mother that's going to defeat Satan, because only love can pierce the darkness. Bring me victim souls. It should certainly be possible for the soul to understand that a good master is more past pleased by the services of a poor servant who serves him faithfully out of love without pay or benefits than the services of someone rich who receives good wages every day and serves in the hope of receiving special benefits. Similarly, if a soul fattened on the great sweetness of its experience and taste of God runs lovingly toward him, it does not have as much merit as the one who runs to God and serves him with an equal and similar love, but without consolation in a state of continual suffering. Powerful words. Yes. Well, soon. <laughs> uh, we're going to do uh, I'll explain this later, but all this notes from all the conferences, we can publish them on the website on the private section. And we'll talk about that later. You know, if you don't remember, there's a, a password, and you can go into the private section, all this will be there. Okay. Now look at what our Lord says to the mothers of the cross. He says many things. I just picked one. The mothers of the cross are the joy in heaven. This, to me, was so beautiful because Sandra Clark, some of you weren't in the Blessed Sacrament last night. And I happened to be next to Sandra, and she's crying. And she comes to me, and she, then she told all of us, Sandra was full of tears. She couldn't stop crying in the Blessed Sacrament last night. Remember when you spoke about the union of heart? At times we feel our Lord's sorrows. But yesterday he gave Sandra Clark a special grace. She was feeling the consolation of the heart of Jesus. And it was the consolation that he was receiving from his little mustard seed. And she shared that with all of us. So know that this community, this little mustard seed is consoling the heart of Jesus and Mary. They are the most pure servants of the Father. It is through the hidden life of the Mother of the Cross that my army of holy priests will be raised up. These spiritual mothers will live the tears and sorrows of their hearts united as one with my Mother of Sorrows. Here she is with us. It is my Mother's sorrows that continue to shower grace upon the world. And as my mothers of the cross unite as one with my mother, the shower will become a living torrent of grace. Therefore, each mother of the cross must be perfected in living her hidden, ordinary life with all its trials, sorrows, exhaustion. With pure love, and in this way, she will find her joy. The joy of knowing that she is participating in the hidden sorrows of my mother for the salvation of many souls. 
Allow my mother to form each of you, my daughters. It is Rosa Mística that wants to form your gentle hearts. Mary reveals the sorrows of her pierced heart that continue to remain hidden and the roses of prayer, sacrifice, and penance. You must imitate Mary in this way. Your lives will become a sweet fragrance of prayer and your sacrifices and penances will be lived in the most ordinary of your duties as women. Your lives as my victims of love will go unnoticed by the world, but seen by the eyes of the Father. He will use your hidden lives of love to humble the proud. Know that you are my consolation. My sisters, it's Father's homily yesterday. Nobody saw the mother that made the lunch for the little boy that multiplied and our Lord fed 5,000. We are going to go unnoticed with a carpet. But our Lord's going to use our lives to feed the multitude. Jackie said that last night, something very beautiful about that homily, that um, that mother preparing that food for her child was like a mother preparing um, a priest, because that child could be a priest one day that feeds the multitude with Jesus. Wow, how beautiful, yes. <laughs> how powerful. Now we're going to go... I need to continue because this is very important. Now we're moving into the abstract. You see, just like suffer with goes into the more abstract, into a deeper spiritual union, so does the hidden life. Where has God been leading us by beginning with the laundry and, you know, the same thing with the fathers, the ordinary life. He is leading us through the hidden life to the most profound place he wants to bring us. The union with his Eucharistic life. We can get to that union if we don't work really hard in the most concrete of our hidden lives. This is our training ground to truly become living hosts and living chalices. In the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. It says, The angel of Fatima summed up her messages in these words. Pray, pray a great deal. Offer up prayers and sacrifices to the Most High. Make everything you do a sacrifice. And offer it as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offered by which he is offended, it's misspelled, typed here, and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. Above all, accept and bear with submission the suffering sent you by our Lord. And in his next apparition, he revealed how to make these sacrifices and prayers effective by offering them in union with the Eucharistic sacrifice. On page 86, in the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, he says, It seems that the Eucharist is the focal point of the spiritual battle for unity. Here, the forces of Satan seem to work the hardest to prevent the celebration of a united Eucharist. For our Eucharist to be united and so effective, we need to yield to the Spirit. Even as the gifts of bread and wine might be said to yield to the Holy Spirit and so become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, since they offer no resistance to the Spirit, they become what they signify. If we offer our 
no resistance to the Spirit, we become the body of Christ. You must see ourselves as these hosts. Small, insignificant. Like they, you can say they yield to the Spirit and they become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. These little insignificant things. Little whole spreads. This is us. But we have to yield to the Spirit. So it's been a process of learning to yield to the Spirit. Learning to be blessed. Learning to be broken. So that we become one with Jesus in the Eucharist. And then we are given and bless many. In page 87, in the Spirit and the Bride say, come it says, it is in this yielding by our total consecration that we live out the totus tuus of self-sacrifice. It is in sacrifice that we most effectively repent of self-concern and the sin of disunity and give ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. It is in union with the sacrifice of Jesus that our intercession becomes united with his and so effective. The more we come united to the sacrifice and sufferings of Jesus, the greater the power of our intercession. That is why we are all in the formation of becoming living chalices and living hosts. This is, my brothers and sisters, the hidden force our Lord has been speaking to this family about for years. Our Lord says to us, Trust and place all your confidence in the power of the hidden life being revealed to you now in the Eucharistic presence. You see, our Lord began to take us through a process. He wasn't talking like this to us years ago. I couldn't, I wouldn't have understood it. He had to take me to the chocolate milk and this, you know, and that. Now, after a few years, he begins to take us now into the reality of Eucharist. He said, his hidden life in the Eucharist is the power of God in the world. I am the power of the hidden life. I want to possess you with my hidden life, which is the Eucharist, transforming you into living host. Our Lord begins to speak to us now. This transformation will take place as you live your hidden and interior life united to my interior crucifixion, suffering all with me and in me. In this one sentence, our Lord is making a promise to us. He's promising us that this transformation will take place in each and every one of us in this family. If we live our hidden life united to his interior crucifixion, suffering all with him. He will bring us to this transformation. In this way, the power of the hidden force will intensify with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Then, in June of 2011, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, 
our Lord brought us another very important teaching and understanding of how to begin to live more our hidden life united to his hidden life and power in the Eucharist. He brings us to one important word, participation. Our Lord says to us, most people partake of my body and blood, but few desire to participate in my body and blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Our Lord teaches us, in order to become one body in me, you must respond to participate in living in my body and blood. In the Eucharist, I give of myself fully to you and you partake, meaning you receive me. But then you must respond to this gift of love by giving of yourself to me. You must give me of your blood and sacrifice and your body, which is your will. In the Eucharist, I am the victim of love. In order for you to become one body, one blood in me, you must respond to become my victim of love. Uh, my, my victim of love. Victim united as one to the victim. What is required of my creature in her response? Her fiat. Then the power of my spirit, the Holy Spirit, brings about this perfect union. It is at the foot of the cross with my mother that you receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from my pierced side. It is he who will lead you through the narrow path of my cross to perfect union in me. There is no union with our Lord. We do not become one, no longer two, but one. We do not become one with him if we do not truly respond by becoming his victim souls. This is why our Lord says, bring me victim souls. Why it is so important for priests. I'll get to priests in a minute. Yielding to the Spirit. I've learned so much from our missionaries of the cross, Father Ron and Father Jordy, to yield to the Spirit. It is only the Spirit. We cannot make this happen, but we can respond. Every time we respond to the Spirit, He is forming us and bringing us to this union. Okay, I'll skip that. Now, living host, Pope Benedict, as Father Jordi showed us recently in Cuba, spoke about living host. These are the words of our Pope. Invoking the maternal protection of Mary most totally, let us ask that each time we participate in the Eucharist, we will also become witnesses to that charity which responds to evil with good, offering ourselves as a living host to the one who lovingly gave himself up for our sake. What is the Pope saying? Victim soul, a victim of love. 
Our Lord said to us, just I'm going to say one sentence and skip the rest. The power of God is spread through my living host. No, I'm going to read this, the whole thing. Sorry. You need to hear. I am alive and present in the world in my Eucharist. But my living presence takes on human form in my living host. When I became alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, when I become alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is no longer you but I who lives and takes my being in you. I am able to speak through your lips. My voice becomes audible through you. My hands touch and heal through your hands. I move outside the tabernacle through you, thus reaching out to the four corners of the world. The power of God is spread through my living host and new life is given to many through my living chalices of my most precious blood. You must proclaim from the housetops what you hear me whisper in your heart. This is my particular mission. I must bring to you the mission of what our Lord is asking. This is my hidden force that will sweep through the world and holds the power of God. In the book New and Divine Holiness, another book of our family, Hugh Owen, the writer of that book, defines what a living host is. He writes, A person who performs his or her actions in eternity, together with Jesus, under the inspirations of the Holy Spirit, when a soul abandons herself to the will of the Father, through the Holy Spirit, and shares... In the eternally present sufferings of Jesus, she becomes a living host. Then Hugh Owens goes on to write, in their writings, Venerable Conchita and Archbishop Martinez refer to a similar state as the mystical incarnation and compare it to the state of a priest at the moment of the consecration during the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Archbishop Martinez observed that the sacrament of holy orders unites a priest to Jesus in such a way that at the moment of the consecration, Jesus in the priest changes the substance of bread and wine into himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, writes Bishop Martinez, total transformation into living hosts required something more. It required that a human being, priest, religious, or lay, make the marvelous exchange of his independent human will for the divine will by allowing the Holy Spirit to unite him to Jesus in all his acts. This is so important for us to understand and so important for the missionaries. Every single priest at the moment of consecration becomes one with the crucified. But they're not fully transformed into the crucified to become persona Christi if they do not become victim priests. And that is why we have many good priests 
but very few transformed holy priests that are persona Christi. The mission of this family, the mission of the missionaries of the cross, is to proclaim this from the housetops to everybody. To every priest, you must tell them if they don't give their will, if they don't give their fiat, they will not be transformed. They will not become Jesus Christ. This is so crucial. And I am amazed ever since I began in this mission of how few of our beloved priests, our sons, understand this. They do not have the wisdom of the cross. And we have to bring this to them mainly by us becoming living hosts for them. Giving our lives, my sisters and brothers, so that they can enter into this wisdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I will end with something that the Spirit brought me through um, my beloved Rita. That I want to say for Jordy, to be used because he is being used to bring this to and that's why we have to offer as much as we can in great joy because our Lord has raised him up in union with the mothers. This is so important. When I read, this is the book of Father Felix, another book that is so important for all of you to read. When I read this in these pages, I kept telling Father Jordy, these words that our Lord, that that's written in this book, must be pondered and pondered by every missionary of the cross. I'm going to read them to you now. I'm sorry if I, but this is, in this, this is risky. 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 On some of the, his writings brought together. Um, of, uh, I, the one I printed this, Father, for them so okay. they can look it up. Yeah, so okay, this is important because, you know, I guess this is good because this is also part of our beginnings. And, and as I explain things to you, when our Lord began to form the family of love crucified, I was a little perplexed because I was already on fire with the writings of Conchita. And when I found out about the works of the cross, I thought, well, you know, why reinvent the wheel? We fit right in into one of the, the, the works of the cross that are already established. I was ready to enter into whatever work of the cross our Lord said. But it was so obvious from the beginning that our Lord was not calling us into any of the established already works of the cross. And I didn't understand why. But it was so clear to both Father and I. And our Lord kept saying, I'm doing something new. But he said, we are part, as you see, of the works of the cross. But he was asking us to bring a fulfillment of the works of the cross through us. See, Conchita founded the works of the cross. God gave her that vision. And out of that spirituality of the work of the cross have come forth over now 13 different 
associations and communities and several communities of religious women, at least four, I think there are now more, um, of religious communities of women. So uh, there's 13 already, and we were wondering, does the Lord want another association that is in the spirituality of the works of the cross? And that's why the Lord said, yes, it's God is doing something new that has particular uh, application and uh, way of living this Okay. So the works of Christ is a broad teaching, and this is uh, an application. Perhaps the 14th is that final. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to read to you some of the words our Lord told Conchita about the priest of the cross. What specifically our Lord was saying that these priests must be. Now, I really believe that he is asking this now of the missionaries of the cross. If we miss this, then what are, it's not going to be completed through us either. This is important. The Lord said to Conchita, this work will be very helpful in the renewal of the world. Through it, the incarnate word comes to renew the mystery of redemption and to plant his cross, not on the ground, but in the hearts of many. And it will make souls burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit. The new Pentecost cannot come if the cross is not planted in our hearts like Jesus. Look, daughter, the priest of the cross will drink from this fountain and they will be found all over the world. They will go as did the apostles, teaching Jesus and the reign of his cross. The Holy Spirit will accomplish these marvels and my Father will be glorified by them. These religious will organize something like a new crusade throughout the world. They will do much good and everywhere there will be great renewal. Those religious will complement the works of the cross. They will offer themselves to the Father as victims with me. And in this way will reach salvation and perfection for many souls, and they will give me much glory. I want them to offer themselves with me to the Father, saying as I do, This is my body and this is my blood. Only in this way will they be worthy of saying these words when they celebrate the holy sacrifice, transformed in me by the faithful imitation of my life and my surrender. Oh, daughter, there are many priests who dare pronounce those most holy words without being in any way like me. The world collapses, and the incarnate word comes to save it once more. He comes to point out a new path, a new area of perfection, to sanctify souls through very easy and perfect means to counteract the flood of vices. This specifically is being fulfilled in us. This specifically, my brothers and sisters, is the simple path. The words of Conchita, the teachings of Conchita are at the heart of our formation. But God has given us something now to bring into the works of the cross. He is giving us now for the multitudes in this specific time the simple path to holiness. That those that are open and simple like each of you will understand 
and be transformed. But many of the the learned, we can say, will completely miss it. Page 66. The simple path that I have been telling you through this whole retreat is unique, not new in the church, but it's unique in the way our Lord is bringing it about. And it is this simple path that the missionaries of the cross also must bring to their brother priest. So, I could go on, but you can read this yourself. There's more here. But in the end, and this caught to me when I read it, and um, Rita also told me now, if you go to page 69 when you read this book, but I tell all of you, especially our missionaries, to read these pages carefully. The missionary of the Holy Spirit writing this book says this, When the missionaries of the Holy Spirit read these things, we feel really concerned. We know that when God enters into a covenant, he makes a great promises. But they are conditioned on the fidelity of men. Our Lord is making promises to us. Our Lord is promising us the crown of glory. Our Lord is promising us complete transformation into him. But, he waits upon our response daily. The same thing with all the work of God in the church. God promised that this congregation, he's speaking about the missionaries of the Holy Spirit, would be founded despite any opposition, and he fulfilled his promise because our founders were faithful to him to a heroic degree. But he also promised that we would be very numerous that there would be many saints among us and that would we and that we would be a powerful force for the for salvation in the church however the truth is that we are not very numerous nor do we see many saints among us nor we, nor do we do great things in the world of god in the world in this world of god what? now he's speaking about the, the missionaries of the holy spirit But you see, this same mission is the mission of the missionaries of the cross. And they cannot go astray, and that is where we have to constantly support them, to proclaim victimhood. If if this family, we deviate from teaching, being, and proclaiming victimhood, the same thing happens. We will not be a family of saints. We will not help, you know what I'm saying? The same thing. We cannot lose this vision and mission. And this is especially crucial that we have to pray that this is branded um, in the hearts of our missionaries. Because they're going to be the ones that are going to go out and do this. Is this the book that Father, Father that you once put it in the internet to download? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's in the internet. Here's the thing I want to mention. That will not be the right page, Father, because um, I worked on editing for two years. 